our study of the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. If I have it, if I have it correctly, we, we left off at uh, verse 20 of chapter 2 as, uh, as we were uh, going through reading what it is the, the Lord had, uh, had written for the churches of Asia Minor. We were in the church of Thyatira, the, the message to the church in Thyatira. Just to go over a little bit of what, what, the, what the Lord had already told them, beginning in verse 18 of, of the Revelation chapter 2. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira, this was a, the messenger that was, that was being sent back to Thyatira with the word that, that uh, the Lord had given John to have written down. And it was, it was to a local, a, a local visible body of baptized believers. It wasn't an invisible universal body that would just happen to be located in Thyatira. This is a local New Testament body in Thyatira. These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. Referring back to chapter 1, how he, des- how he is described there. I know thy works and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. So they have done many marvelous things for the Lord, as we as we noted uh, in uh, the last time that I was here. And their their uh, last works, because uh, you notice works are mentioned there twice. Their last works are more than the first. So they are laboring much. For much for the Lord, much in His name, much in His word, what He would, what He would bid them to do. Notwithstanding, they've done many marvelous things. Notwithstanding, He has a few things against them. Because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. As... As always, if there's any comments, questions, you, you want to add something, feel free to chime right in. There's never, uh, ne- never, uh, never a time to discuss things like the present. And we need, we need uh, much discussion of the Word of God today, more, more than we ever have, in my opinion. So, even though they've didn't, done many marvelous things, the Lord still, te- still tells them, you have, he's, he's got a few things against them. Most of all, they suffer, they permit that woman, Jezebel. Now, I do not think, uh, my personal opinion, I don't think her name is actually Jezebel. I don't think that her name is actually Jezebel. I think he's pulling from the Old Testament and referring back to saying, that woman that you allow to teach, she is just like Jezebel. She is just like Jezebel. So will you come back to 1 Kings and we'll see... We'll see what it is that he is that he is pulling from. First Kings sixteen. <clears throat> verses thirty through thirty-two. And this is the introduction of, of Jezebel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And that is Ahab, Jezebel's husband. And it came to pass, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nebat, 
that, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. So it is, if, it is as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And he was a wicked, he was a wicked king. And that was, that's considered a light thing for Ahab to do. Uh, for, for Ahab to do, for he did much worse. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. So we see that, that he began much pagan worship uh, of, of, of Baal. Of, uh, and you, we'll, we'll get there. I won't, I won't explain the story. Come to, come to 1 Kings 18. 18 and verse 40. <clears throat> And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. So this is after the challenge that Elijah gave them. Hey, you prophets of Baal, you come up here on Mount Carmel. And honestly, one of my favorite passages in the scriptures, for it shows that there is no God but one. There is no, there is no other God but our God. And he says, hey, you, you, you prophets of Baal, I, th- I believe there was 450, if I remember correctly. 400 some, at least. There was a lot. You come up here, you get your altar, and you start calling on your God. And the first God to answer by fire, he's the true God. Elijah knew that there is no other God but one. <clears throat> so they come up there, he gives them all day from the morning sacrifice until the evening sacrifice. They're calling unto their God. They're crying for him. They're even cutting themselves. They're singing. They're jumping up and down. They're doing all kinds of, all kinds of things to try and get their God's attention. Kind of reminds me of some people watching a football game. <clears throat> Hooping and hollering, jumping up and down, and all, all, all the things, all, all the things that they were doing. So, nothing, nothing. Not a, not a word, and Elijah mocks them, which, by the way, the wicked can't stand being mocked. You see, that, you see that in our day. They can't stand it because they know that there is some truth to that mocking. And he, he tells them, oh, you know, cry a little louder. He must be on vacation. He must be busy. He mu- maybe he's asleep. Our, God doesn't sleep. Now, Jesus Christ in the mortal body that he took in the womb of the virgin, he did that so that he may, that he may suffer death on our behalf. He was subject to all the weariness that, that we are subject to, tired, hungry, thirsty, those kinds of things. But in his, in his godhood, now he is never tired. He's never, never thirsty, never hungry, though he still eats and drinks. There, there are, are many things that are, that are true about, about our God that could never be true, uh, could never be true about, about these false deities. Elijah then goes up, calls on our God one time, and he answers by fire, burns up the whole altar, boils all the water off, everything, showing that he is the true God. And here Elijah says in verse 40, Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not not one of them escape. They took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them. All 400 or 450, however many there were, slew all of the prophets of Baal. Now remember, Ahab, Ahab's present. Ahab is seeing this go on. Ahab, come to chapter 19, verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. 
And one thing about Ahab, he was a wicked man, very wicked man, but he was weak, a very weak man, as we'll, as we'll, note, in just, as we'll note in just a moment, who it is that actually ran between the, between the queen and the king, who it is that ran, uh, who it is that, that ran the kingdom. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She was furious, because she's the, she, her, her father's name was Ethbaal. He was named after Baal. That's her god. She supported. She had, she had the prophets of Baal at her table. You read, you read in a previous passage. The kingdom, of, uh, the kingdom supported those prophets. They were supported via the tax dollars, uh, if you will. They ate at the king's table. And he, Elijah just had them all slain by the sword. And when he saw that, Elijah, he rose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth, belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. Now back, uh, I've, I've got a couple notes jotted, jotted down here, Revel, uh, now, now to chapter 21. So she is furious at Elijah. Elijah, she does not kill Elijah. <clears throat> she, does not, she doesn't have her way. But here we'll see Nabath and just how wicked Jezebel is. Here in ver, beginning in verse 4, Ahab... Nabath had a, had a vineyard that was hard, verse 1, hard by the palace of, of Ahab, king of Samaria. Hard by, meaning right next to. And Ahab came to him and said, I would, I would like your land. And Nabath said, it's the inheritance of my fathers, I can't sell it. Nabath wasn't being angry or deceitful or, or anything. He just said, it's the inheritance given to my fathers, I can't sell it. I can't get rid of it. Ahab came into his house, verse 4, heavy and displeased because the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread, pouting like a child. He didn't give me what I want. So I'm not going to eat. I'm going to punish myself. That's exactly what he's doing, is it not? It's, it's, it's funny to, to read that and just to see how childish Ahab was. That's right. That's right. But Jez, Jezebel came, his wife came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? Why are you behaving this way? And he said unto her, Because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel his wife said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Are you not the king? Arise, and eat bread, and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. She's going to take matters into her, into her own hands. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal, sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in his city dwelling with Naboth. She wrote, she, and she wrote in the letters saying, Proclaim a feast and set Naboth on high among the people. 
Naboth should have been curious. Why is the king now making a, proclaiming a feast and setting me on high among the people? Always be curious if, it's, if the wicked are trying to set you on high. There's, there's something that they're attempting to get. And that's exactly what was, what was happening. And set two men, sons of Belial, sons of destruction, before him to bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. That was, that was Jezebel's plan. That's what she wanted to do, and a wicked and deceitful woman. She was. And that's exactly what happens. Naboth is then stoned, drop down to verse 13. Uh, verse 12, they proclaimed a fast, set Naboth on high among the people. So while he's on high, while he's being celebrated, call him out. Lie about him. Does that sound familiar today? The wicked don't change. They've been the same throughout all ages. <clears throat> and there came in came in two men, children of destruction, children of Belial, and sat before him, and the men of Belial witness against him, even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. So a lie, a lie brought forth by Jezebel and the sons of Belial that, that she had conscripted. Come to 2 Kings very quickly, 2 Kings chapter 9. And we'll see, she didn't just kill Naboth. 26, this is uh, uh, Jehu um, condemning, condemning uh, Jezebel, what, what she had done. Then said Jehu to Bidkar, his captain, verse 25, Take up, cast him in the portion of the field of Naboth the Jezreelite. For remember how that when I and thou rode together after Ahab his father, the Lord laid this burden upon him. Surely I have seen yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, saith the Lord. And I will requite thee in this plat, saith the Lord. Now therefore take and cast him into the plat of ground according to the word of the Lord. So she not only had Naboth killed, but also his sons, so that his sons couldn't say, well, that was my father's field, and you know, me being his heir, it's now mine. So she killed all of the, uh, uh, of the heirs to that field. And you know what the uh, letters that she had written and sealed with King Ahab's seal? It would have also been a false deed, a false sale. That she, oh, hey, before, before he died, he sold it to my husband. <clears throat> wicked woman. Wicked, wicked woman. That, that, is the, uh, that is what the Lord is pulling from. And verse 25, back, back to 1 Kings 21, we see a concluding, a concluding statement. But there was none like unto Ahab. 1 Kings 21, 25. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Uh, he didn't do it all himself, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. Hey, you want to do wickedness? Let me help you with that. There were, what, was, what was Eve made to be? A helpmeet for Adam. A help fitting for him. Jezebel helped Ahab do exactly what it is that he wanted to do. Wickedness. Absolute wickedness. 
And he did very abominably in following idols according to all things, as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. He did abominable, horrible, horrible things. He, uh, all, all of the idol worship that, you remember the Lord telling the Israelites before they went into the promised land, annihilate, basically annihilate them. Father, uh, uh, father, mother, children, all of them. Some people would say, oh, that, that's cruel. Why would, he, why would he kill the children? Well, everything that they had been taught, they would be without their parents. And what happens to children that perish? We know that they go to be, be with the Lord, especially based on what David said about his son. When his, when his son perished after, uh, after having only been born a few days, I will never, he will never come to me, but I shall go to him. He would go to be with his son. His son didn't, didn't go to hell. His son didn't, didn't perish in his sins, for that's not, why would David say, I'm going to go to hell? He, was, he knew that that, that that baby went to be with the, with the Lord. He knew that that baby was saved. So the Lord sending those children home is a good thing. Not having them go through this, uh, everything that they had been taught, everything that they would witness. But then the, the Israelites didn't do what the Lord told them to do. They made covenants with the Amorites and, and those that, that deceived them because they didn't, they didn't seek after the Lord. And here, they're ensnared by not, doing, by not doing what the Lord had done. The Lord said, if you don't annihilate them, if you don't destroy them, you will, they will be a snare to you. You will pick up their ways. And that's exactly what happened. You read time and time and time again. So, now that we have familiarized ourselves with the Jezebel, the Jezebel that, that the Lord is referring to, back to, back to Revelation chapter 2. They permit that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, a prophetess, a teacher, one, one that would tell forth, one that would tell forth. Now, prophet doesn't just mean that you forth tell, that you tell the future, because most of the prophets didn't tell the future all the time. There would be little snippets of what they said that would be future-based, but is it their words or is it the Lord's words? They didn't concoct what was going to happen into the future of themselves. It was the Lord's words. The Lord gave them the words to speak. Here she says that she is a teller for a a a uh, a, a teller forth of of the word of God, a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed to idols. So she she does two things: seduces the Lord's servants. His people, these are, not, these are not unsaved people. The Lord would not call them his servants if they were unsaved people. His servants to commit fornication. Now again, you're getting this, I'm going to state that this is my opinion. I do not believe that this is physical fornication. I believe that this is spiritual fornication, an act of worshiping other gods alongside the true God. The, the spiritual fornication, for physical fornication is a, uh, we, we learn spiritual truths by natural truths. First, that which is natural, then that which is spiritual. How many times in the scriptures do we see natural, physical truths then drawn to their spiritual parallel? The wind. 
being how the, how the Holy Spirit of God causes one to be born again. We do not see where the wind is coming from or where it's going, but we hear the sound of it. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. We don't know when one is born again, but we see the effect of it is what the Lord is, is, what the Lord is teaching there in John chapter 3. The, and he's also teaching that the first birth is similar in nature to the second birth. How many of us had anything to do with their first birth? Feel free to raise your hand if you told your parents, I want to be born today. <clears throat> Same way with the second birth. That's why Nicodemus wasn't getting it. How many times do we see uh, Paul in many, in, in many of his epistles talks about the body is fit together. He's talking about the body of the church. But he's also drawing a parallel from our body. If you lose something on your body, an arm, a leg, an eye, a sense of smell, stuff doesn't work right. You, loo- you lose uh, some function in your body. The whole, the whole thing, there's, it's just not right. Something isn't working right. Paul's saying, so, so the church. If, if not everybody is, is working together, then, the, then, then it's not working right. If we don't have, if we're missing something it's not going to work correctly. Now, he's not putting that on us to figure out what that is in and of our own power, but he's drawing a parallel that the body of the church is fit together, just like our natural body is fit together to work together. And who, de- who designed our body? It wasn't us. Our Lord God designed our body to work just the way that it does, same way with the church body to work just the way that it does. So time and time again, we see natural truths teaching, point, being pointed to, towards their spiritual parallel, fornication being one of those things. They, Israelites, over and over and over again, committed fornication with other gods. You, you, see, you see God call them out for that throughout the Old Testament, that they had gone after other gods, that they had committed adultery, that, they, that God was an husband unto them, and they... And, and in some instances, he uses very uh, deliberate, very uh, language that we would be like, whoa, we don't speak like that. He, call, he says that, a, that a, uh, a prostitute is better than them because a prostitute gets paid. You look that up. He said that to them. While they didn't get paid because they enjoyed their work, we would be like, wow, that's, that's harsh. He says that. The Lord says that to Israel. That is how serious he takes that stuff. That is how serious he takes worshiping other gods alongside with him. So this is what that Jezebel had done. She was teaching God's people. Now it brings us to a question. Can women teach? I would say yes, they can. Can they teach men? Can they teach a local body? Can they teach a church? No, they may not. That's not my words. Come to 1 Timothy. First Timothy chapter 2. And verse 9. Sorry that, that that is not oh that's chapter 3. 
In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. That is, don't highlight the outside more than the inside. But which, which becometh women professing godliness with good works, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer, I, I permit, not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So why is a woman not to be, not to be the teacher of the body? Oh, well, that's just a cultural thing. Paul was just talking about how they did it in his culture. No, he's a, for Adam was first formed, then Eve. He goes to creation. It's not just a cultural thing. Now, does that mean that women can, that men can never learn anything from women? Absolutely not. Priscilla and Aquila, when, Apoll, when Apollos was teaching, but he only had up through the baptism of John. You read this in the book of Acts. So he was preaching up through the baptism of John, who pulled him aside and taught him the way of the Lord more perfectly. Both Priscilla and Aquila. They didn't call, they didn't call him out on the carpet. They pulled him aside and said, hey, here's Jesus Christ. He's the, he's the, John the Baptist is just the forerunner. He was actually pointing to the Christ. So here's everything concerning the Christ. And Apollos walked away knowing the, knowing the way of the Lord more perfectly. Both Priscilla and Aquila taught him that, husband and wife. <clears throat> and Eve was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. The woman, the woman was the one deceived. Adam chose to sin. He chose to eat of the tree. He knew that it was wrong, and he chose to do it. But it was Eve that was deceived. Now, I understand that this is not common today. Oh, I've, I've heard these verses quoted and then called heresy. I don't know how you can quote the Bible and then say, well, that's heresy. Because God is the one that said it, so therefore it can't be heresy. God isn't the author of confusion. It is man that is the, is the author, man and the devil that are the author of confusion. I understand that this is not a popular teaching. But this, this is why Jezebel should, have not have been, should not have been a teacher of the local body. She had, she had been deceived into thinking that these things were okay and was, and was seducing others to do the same and to eat meat sacrificed unto idols against their conscience, against what they, uh, what they desired to do. She taught them that they must do that, that it is something to be added to the worship. Remember, we looked at 1 Corinthians 8. 1 Corinthians 8, Paul says that he has liberty to eat things sacrificed to idols. It is a, but he says, don't. Do it if, if it will cause your brother to stumble. <clears throat> the, here, it was causing them to stumble, yet they were being taught that they must by this Jezebel figure. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. He gave her time to change her mind, to turn around, to walk away from those teachings and come back to the truth, but she would not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Except they change their mind, except they stop walking in those ways. He will cast them into that bed. They will have to lie in the bed that they made. Now, remember, he's saying, my, he called these people his servants. These are God's people that are committing spiritual fornication 
spiritual adultery. They are lining him up with other gods. They are committing one of, one of the great atrocities. How can, how can God's people do these things? But yet he says that they, that they are doing them. Behold, I, uh, and, and I will kill her children with death. He doesn't say the second death. Remember, these, he's already called these people his servants. These are his people. Salvation cannot be lost. We, we're all familiar with that. It's by grace. It's not by works. It's not by, we don't keep it by anything that we have done. If we didn't do anything to earn it, how could we possibly lose it? <clears throat> and if we could lose it, that would, that would say Christ's death wasn't enough. He will kill her children with death. Do you remember Ananias and Sapphira from Acts chapter 5? How many times did it say that they lied to God? I don't know how many times, but I know it says it over and over and over again. That's why they were killed. They weren't killed because they didn't give all their money to the church. Nobody had laid down a law that said you must give all, you must sell everything you have and give all the money to the church. That wasn't a law that was laid down. That was a, a decision made by multiple people, individually. And they sold their land, kept some of the money, gave the rest, and said, yeah, but we gave all our money to the church, just like all these other people. But they didn't. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit revealed that to Peter. He called him out. Is this what you sold all your land for? Yeah, that's what we sold all our land for. You lied to the Holy Ghost. You lied to God. And they died. And then, and then the other one was brought in and said the same thing. And they were killed for lying. And fear, a reverential fear, fell upon all the churches that heard. You, re, you read that in Acts chapter 5. A horrible, horrible thing. But those are Christians. It wouldn't, they wouldn't have been Christians if they, hadn't, if, if they lied to God then they, then, then they are the Lord's saved people. They had the Holy Spirit in them. And yet they committed those very things. With that in mind, we see how this may happen. Those were the Lord's people that because of their disobedience, he killed them. How many times were you ever misbehaving? I know, I've, I know in my childhood this happened. Did you ever misbehave so bad out in public that your parents just grabbed your arm and said, we're going home? Me too. That's what the Lord did to Ananias and Sapphira. You are not behaving in a way that is becoming. You will come home. That is what he is promising to do to these Christians if they do not change their mind. If they do not walk in a way that is worthy of the, call, of the vocation wherewith they've been called, Ephesians 4.1. <clears throat> That's why we're given so many exhortations to do to do, now, we're not to do it in our own power. We can't do it in our own power. We don't have the ability. Paul says, in, in myself I find the desire, but the ability to perform I find not. Romans chapter 8, you get to the Holy Spirit. He is the one who gives the ability to perform. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts, and will give unto every one of you according to your works. I have heard it asked, how, how can you balance salvation by grace if God gives everybody according to their works? Salvation is by grace, it's not by works. He rewards temporally. 
based on our works. He de- we, do, we, do er- we do earn rewards for the next life based on works done in this life, but salvation is not by works. None of it. Ananias and Sapphira didn't lose their salvation because their works were burnt up. You, I, I believe it's Peter that talks about uh, um, uh, uh, the precious stones, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Talks, uh, he's talking about works. Does wood, hay, stubble go through the fire, or does it get burned up? Does gold, silver, precious stone, does it make it through the fire? What does fire do to gold, silver, and precious stones? It refines them, purifies them. That's right. He's saying, so are our works. Ananias and Sapphira, their works didn't, didn't last. That didn't mean that they lost their salvation. There was no reward. There was nothing that came out on the other side rewards-wise. There was no, no, no rewards that came from that behavior. He gives every one of us according to our works now and in the future. <clears throat> when we walk in disobedience, what happened to David, man after God's own heart? He received four times for his sin. Because, and that's exactly what he, in the, in the parable that Nathan gave him, of the, the rich man taking the poor man's lamb. And he said that, David was a shepherd, by the way, so that, that really struck home with him. That man should pay fourfold. So Nathan said, thou art the man, you will pay fourfold. Sword would never depart from his house. How much, how much trouble did he have in his family? It's, it's, it's horrible to think about, right? All caused by him, by what he did. We are given according to our works now. That isn't, some, that isn't something that people like to hear. But it, we're being judged now. The Lord said at the end of the book of the Revelation, maybe one day we'll get there, I come, I come, my reward is with me, and behold, I come quickly. When our, when our Lord comes, his reward, our reward is with him. There, there isn't, it is taught that we will be sitting, that, that at, when we die at the great white throne judgment, all, all of us and the wicked, that there will be a, a, a big screen that all of our sins will be plastered for everybody to see. But I thought that there was no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, sir. That's exactly right, yeah. That's right. Uh, they, they are uh, given to us as in samples. We're told, uh, is it 1 Corinthians 10 and Peter, one of Peter's epistles and Jude? Uh, that all of those, all of these things are given to us for in samples. Uh, we're told not to murmur, as they murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. 
You remember the children in Israel, or the, the, the children of Israel uh, wandering in the wilderness? How many times did they murmur against God? Oh, he just, he wants a, Moses, you brought us out here so that we'll die by hunger. We were <laughs> That's exactly what they said. But yet they're the same ones that were crying to God, deliver us from this bondage. And God delivered them in a great and marvelous way. And it was God's intent always to deliver them because Pharaoh had already been raised up. And God said through Moses to Pharaoh, Exodus 9, 15, 16, something like that, For this very purpose have I raised thee up, that my name might be proclaimed throughout all the earth. Hebrews 13, I believe it is, our God is a consuming fire. That exhortation, that admonition isn't given to the world. That admonition is given to Christians, that we need to remember who our God is. He is loving and merciful and, and uh, uh, gracious. He is that, but he is also righteous and holy. And uh, um, he is a jealous God, oh, that's, oh, what a, what, a, what a childish behavior that is, is what I've heard. No, envy is childish. Jealous. That's it. And that's, that's the type of fear that we're to have, a reverential fear, not a, oh, I'm so just absolutely terrified. A reverential fear. He is, he is our heavenly father. He's not our buddy. He's not our pal. Mm-hmm. Right. As I pointed pointed out to this brother before before service, talking about his tenderness, his love, which we'll which we'll be talking about uh, this morning. <clears throat> Ephesians, quickly. I don't have my watch on me. I think we've got a three or four minutes left, something like that. Um, Ephesians two, and this is something I, I I knew that this was true, but I had never seen this text before. And boy, when I saw it, my, my, my heart just rejoiced. So we're familiar with you were dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead. We wanted nothing to do with it. We walked just like the world. You put us in a lineup with the children of wrath. We would have never, no, no Christian would have ever been able to pick us, pick us out. We looked just like the world. We had the same nature as them. There was no difference between us and the world. But God, verse 4, never forget that. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, comma, the thought doesn't stop, even at the verse break, even when we were dead in sins. 
the great love wherewith he loved us was even when we were dead in sin. That, was, that just, I, I knew that that was the case because he told Jeremiah, I've loved thee with an everlasting love. He has loved each and every one of us, his people, with an everlasting love. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He didn't choose us because he hated the other ones. He chose us because he loved us. He chose Israel, Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, I believe that it is. Not because they were greater than any nation. For in fact, they were fewest among all nations. But because he loved them. Not because of anything they could have done, ever did, would do, whatever. How can we go from, from having the manna straight from God to desiring the food of Egypt again? <clears throat> and that's, uh, I, I agree completely. When you see the, the, I believe it was Luther, Martin Luther, many things wrong with the man. But this he was right on. When I look at myself, I wonder how could I ever possibly be saved? But then I look at Christ, and I wonder how, how I could ever be lost. Because of what Christ did for us. The great, the, this same love is the same love that he said, greater love hath no man. It's the same, the same Greek term. No man than this, than that he laid down his life for his, not just his servants, but his friends. That's right. That's right. Uh, he said, to, I no longer call you servants, but friends. For servants don't know what their Lord does, but friends do know what their Lord does. And, and then he goes into, I, I lay down my life for you. The love that God has, has for us, and we'll, we'll discuss it uh, more, more in the morning message, is a great, a great and marvelous love. And we're exhorted to have it. We'll be going over uh, the church of Ephesus this morning, I know we've already gone through that some uh, in Sunday school, but it'll be good for everybody. Uh, going going through what they what they went through is always is always good. So he will judge them according to their works, according to what they have done, and he may he may kill them with death. He may take them home if they don't if they don't repent of their works, if they don't change what they're doing. I think we're I think we're past time. Like I said, I don't have my watch on me. We'll pick up there. We'll pick up at verse twenty-four next time. Thank you for your time and attention.